Welcome to the E6 Podcast from Colonial Church. This is a place for candid conversations about what our church community is learning, what's going on in the world, and how all of it applies to our lives as Jesus followers. So welcome back, everybody. My name is Brooke, and this is episode number 27. And Lauren, how you doing? You know, I don't sound too good because I'm pretty congested, but yeah. um, you know what? I'm just glad to be alive. That's it's a... You know, you had a you had a recent uh, a recent motorcycle accident. Yeah, and, it's so cliche you know, to say I'm just loving being live. But <laughs> when you all, when you know that you hit your head really hard on the asphalt, uh-huh. uh, falling off a motorcycle mm. in traffic, um, I think every day I'm just thanking God that I get to hug my kids and be with my wife and keep living. So that's um that's a good that's a good thing yeah yeah that's a great thing yeah yeah so we have not been here for a couple of weeks what's uh what's the deal i know i i never saw that coming we had <laughs> is this did you say this is episode 26 27 27 so we had 26 weeks in a row yep. of monday podcasts yeah we did um and i don't i think i think we were in denial that we were ever even going to skip a week take a week <laughs> off but yeah we had one week where i was uh left for my sabbatical um, yep. for a week. And then the following week, we just kind of had a perfect storm of circumstances prevent us from recording. Uh, and so I, we did not plan on this, but uh, I know we've got some listeners that are like, what happened? You know, yeah. we well, haven't had anybody just, you know, throwing stones or, or showing up at our house demanding why, or come on, there hasn't been the upheaval that we want that my more. ego would love to have <laughs> had happen, you know, just an outcry of frustrated podcast listeners. But in all seriousness, um, you know, life happens and we, we right. had a couple of weeks off, so we're back. That's right. Well, I did, I did actually talk to somebody that said um, that they missed the podcast and uh, they, they always listen to the podcast on Monday nights while they cook dinner and they couldn't cook dinner because they didn't have anything to listen to. So. Oh man, we're preventing people from eating. Apparently, yeah. I was a little confused because I thought there's probably plenty of other things that you could listen to, but that's <laughs> fine. Okay, so I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, recently, was it was it yesterday? That was uh, was it Sunday? That was the, um, National Ice Cream Day. Did I get that right? I, you know what? I had no because idea. Because we actually went to Brahms. We took the kids to Brahms, and it was like it was so packed, like it was insane. Everyone was there. They had like seventy five cent. Uh, single dip cone. How did I miss this? I don't know. It was crazy. But but I have a question. So what is your what's your go to ice cream flavor? Oh, it's going to be the least impressive. <laughs> Please tell me vanilla. Uh, well, I guess that would be the least impressive. <laughs> the second least impressive. I am uh-huh. chocolate all day long. Just like straight chocolate. Every time I look at all the every time. Okay. I, I don't come in saying I'm ordering chocolate. Okay. I come in. I look at. All the flavors. So you reevaluate every time. I reevaluate every time. I pause at the <laughs> chocolate and peanut butter. I pause at the Reese's type, you know, opportunity. Uh-huh. And then I order chocolate. Not I like, love chocolate ice cream. Not uh, like chocolate, like double chocolate or chocolate chocolate chip or chocolate fudge or any just regular. Well, any of those are, are perfectly fine. But because they always have chocolate ice cream, right. I get chocolate. You know, like when I get, I'm a Bluebell guy. I'm a Bluebell okay. loyal fan, and I do order Dutch chocolate Bluebell. Okay, well, I don't. I don't even know if that's that different. How's, I was gonna say, how's that know. different? Than I don't know. Regular? I just love chocolate, okay. dude. It's if, not stemming from your, you, your time in Germany. If you're, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that has to do. With. <laughs> but even like German chocolate cake, like I just anything chocolate, okay. uh, I am a fan of. Okay, yeah, love chocolate. Yeah, can't have enough chocolate. All right. What about you? What's your go-to ice cream? Um. I guess if I had to pick a go-to that just is like, okay, yeah, it would be like cookies and cream. Mm. Um, it's good, and and usually it's good regardless of where it's made, yeah, you know? that's fair. It's not like, ooh, that was a good one over here, and if I go <laughs> to this place, it's terrible. But uh, my favorite are the places that you can go and you can try them all, like the like the, like the the frozen yogurt places, yeah. you know, you get the little cups, and you go yes. try each one of the little... Um, that's I why it try takes this one. I want to try this that's one. That's why it takes one, us one, 20 one. minutes at like, uh, was it called Minchie's? Uh-huh. Um, I can't get my girls out of there because they just want to try everything. We just want to keep trying it, right? I've seen people like come into those places just to try them all and then leave. And I'm like, that's that might be wrong. That might be wrong, but I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. So so cookies and cream, but I, I also like I, I kind of like the uh, the options. I don't always get something different because sometimes it's like, ah, eh, just go with that. 
rather than do that. But that's uh, what was it? There was a salted caramel truffle or something that was really, really good. And I had that like every time we, we went. And I say that like we go all the time. But <laughs> so all of that to say, did you see the brand new kind of ice cream that uh, that Kraft uh, and and um, wait 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 craft yeah. like mac and cheese that's, craft that's, that's what I said oh I can't even Kraft Heinz company and uh, and they they partnered with a company um, an ice cream company to make the the limited edition uh, <laughs> it's so gross cheesy ice cream that they made of mac and cheese did you see that I just threw up in my mouth a little it bit sounds terrible to me like. That's disgusting. I mean, but you're just a chocolate guy, so... But I love mac and cheese, <laughs> and I love ice cream. That's ridiculous. I, yeah, I don't know. I, there's Sometimes I'm just like, I, I don't know. But they said, they said uh, we know that nothing is more refreshing on a hot summer day than ice cream. That's why we wanted to combine two of the most oh. iconic comfort foods oh. and create an ice cream with an unforgettable flavor of Kraft macaroni and cheese that we all grew up with. That's just disgusting. That's what I thought. Like, There's that some sounds, really good things. And it's things. super yellow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wonder if it has, like, little bitty, like, does it have little bitty chunks of powder in it? Like, Please you, you stop. know, when you don't mix it up all the way Please and you stop. got the powder in Somebody it? Somebody somewhere is eating right now, <laughs> and you're doing this to them. That's gross. I hope it does, because if it doesn't have little bits of powder, then it's not accurate. <laughs> okay, you said you said you were, uh, you, you we, we missed a week because you were on sabbatical. What is that? What what's going on? Yeah, what, I don't where, even. Where'd you go? Uh, Is that well, like you get to take vacation on your own? Or well, in all seriousness, I, I bet a lot of our people don't even know this is one of our our policies for our pastors here at Colonial. But um, and some churches do this, some don't. Our church, thankfully, has a sabbatical policy, which means our pastors get a one week paid sabbatical each calendar year, um, and so. Um, it's not, it's, it's specifically not meant to be vacation. It's not meant to be, Hey, take your family and go sit on the beach or mm. go to Disney world or something like, <coughs> please forgive me. Excuse You're me. dying on us here. Um, it's not meant to be like that. It's, it's meant to be, um, related to Sabbath, sabbatical, sabbat- okay. Sabbath. It's meant to be a time for our pastors to step away to find rest, rest from some things, uh, as well as rest for some things, um, healing from some things, uh, preparation for some things. Uh, in the same way, a, a, a weekly Sabbath is meant to do those things, to find rest, to find refuel, to find uh, delight even. Um, this annual week-long sabbatical is meant to do that for our pastors, which I'm sure everybody in every line of work would love to have that. Um, I think it's just a recognition on our church's part and some other churches that do it that our pastors can get really tired and our pastors can can give of themselves to people in the ways we want them to. We want we want ourselves to that uh, has its limitations. And so, um, as much as vacations can can bring rest or bring refueling, you know, as a dad they, of four they don't kids. Always. Uh, sometimes I come back from our vacations and I am, I need a vacation for my vacation. Absolutely. You know? Uh, I know everybody can relate to that, uh, especially cause we have this habit horribly, um, more often than not of coming back at, you know, midnight the night before I got to go back to work. Yeah. Right. I gotta be, I gotta be at work at six hours. I'm, I'm learning not to do that, but we still do that sometimes. But all that to say, um, I, my, my, my place of refuel time and time again is not the beach. Uh, certainly not stay home. Uh, it is uh, get to the mountains. And okay. so um, one of the things we love about living in Wichita Falls is uh, it's not that far back to the Rockies. And so I just drove back up to the Rockies, um, got there in one day. Um, I say it's not that far because we, we used to live in Houston, okay? <laughs> I was thinking Houston's twice as far. Way. Houston's twice okay, as yeah. far. All right. um, so it's all relative. But yeah. we, uh, I just, I have a, a generous friend from my old church who's got a, a nice small place up in Granby, Colorado. I don't know where that is. It's up past Winter Park Ski Resort. Okay, been um, there a lot. About thirty minutes past there, and uh, it's kind of it's not that isolated, but it's it's definitely out there. And um, I just got to spend a ton of time alone, mm. and I read a lot. I journaled a lot. Um, I specifically saw. 
my old mentor, RJ, that I know I talk a lot about. I got to see him for one, one night and had long breakfast with him. Um, I didn't spend much time outside. I think with my broken clavicle and rib and right. sling, I chose not to do any crazy hikes or anything mm. and put myself in <laughs> bad spots. Yeah. But, and I had grand plans of taking my motorcycle out there. I figured, yeah, um, yeah, right. And so that plan changed, obviously. But uh, it was a fantastic time to get away and I guess primarily rest as well as um, I spent some time uh, in a few different sittings just being quiet and asking the Lord, you know, what, what do I need to hear in this season? What do you want for your church uh, that I get to be a part of, of leading? Um, and it was, it was really good. I, I didn't have any, wow, God showed up with a bright light and a neon sign. Mm. Um, I didn't have any of those moments, which of course, I mean, like anybody else in the world, I would love to have. Um, but he did give me some, some great words through a couple other people. And he did uh, just, I think, bring some peace in the middle of a weird season that we're in. And uh, just an affirmation that I think we're doing what we're supposed to do. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, I don't know that I could uh, make it a whole week by myself. Even even though I, I test out as an introvert and I'm reserved and yeah, that kind of thing, I still don't know that I could make it that long without people. I definitely felt that way in the first two or three days. Like, it, I'm a connector. Um. I'm like right in the middle between extroverted and introverted. Uh, I used to be a lot more introverted, but I, I think I've just, I think this job, frankly, has yeah. made me more extroverted. But first two or three days were hard. I was distracted. I was I was thinking about who I could call. Hmm. I was thinking about old Colorado friends that I even was on the edge of like, hey, hey, why don't you come out and visit for half a day? Or, yeah. But once I got well into it, day three, four, um, I think my mind slowed down and I even turned my phone off for about 48 hours nice, and, uh, which was a weird feeling, but yeah. re- really good. <laughs> and so, yeah, I, you know, a true sabbatical that maybe some people in the education world experience every few years, or like when I was on young life staff, our, um, like Jason Archer's, our local young life area director, uh, he's on sabbatical right now mm. for a couple of months. And so every, uh, five years, uh, their young life staff, for example, get a two month paid sabbatical, and um, that's very different. I mean, two months. Uh, now, granted, he's doing some stuff with his family. He's doing some stuff just staying at home. It's not like he went and got, found a cave. You yeah, know, for two I was gonna months. say, what, what's the what's the difference of an expectation of a week? I mean, a week long rest, <laughs> renewal. You know, seek God. That makes sense. Two months, that's like, that's a whole lot of time to... It's very different. ...to be gone from whatever your job requires is. requires a whole lot more preparation. Yeah. I think, you know what? I think just like the Sabbath, a sabbatical is something God uses to remind us, hey, you know what? You could You're not park it, and I'm going to keep doing my mm. thing. Yeah. It's not this yeah. world. This You're not the Savior. Yeah. I think that's really healthy because... Um, most of us in any leadership role, probably in any vocation think, well, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. Mm-hmm. Or if I step out, it's going to be done poorly or not the right way. Right. And I think a Sabbath day in some ways is the way of showing us regularly, uh, you know what? You could vanish and the sun is still going to come up hmm. and people are still going to have relationships and I'm going to have my way. God's saying, and I think we even need that weekly in our lives. That's, that's one of the gifts of Sabbath. Yeah. Um, so with a week long of, of, of rest and time alone, you're coming back into getting back into the, the flow of things. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about the state of the church? What we're, what, what's going on here? Mm. All those, all the above. Yeah. I appreciate you asking. Uh, I, well, first of all, personally, I'm a little bit of a mess. Uh, I got a broken <laughs> wing. I am, I'll be honest with our people, I am sleeping absolutely horribly. I've heard other people with shoulder issues and collarbone breaks and that have said the same thing. I'm just not going to just from, just from discomfort. I'm waking up every 30 minutes to an hour. Mm. It's almost, it's almost some weird form of torture, you know? So I'm definitely tired, which means I'm probably not at my best, you know, physically, mentally. Mm. Um, 
So that's bad. Well, this is the third time we've recorded this, so hopefully this one goes well. Third time we've recorded this. Oh, you know, you're, you're messing with my mind. <laughs> but uh, that's that's more of a personal, physical thing. The 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 coincidentally on the other other side of things, man, my heart's in a great place. Mm. Um, despite I think our circumstances, you know, it would be easy to say that because of my physical state. I could be discouraged. It would be easy to say because of the state of the church, not just colonial, but the state of the Western American church right now uh, in what we thought was the end of the pandemic anyway. This Delta variant's got us questioning things, but um, people are not going back to church, Brooke. Mm. Uh, I know that we see that here at Colonial. Our numbers are way down, but I'm friends with a lot of pastors. I'm friends with multiple pastors here in town. I'm friends with multiple pastors in Denver and Houston specifically, as well as some other towns across our country. And without exception, I'm hearing the same stories. Mm. Our number, you know, there are churches that are 50% down. There are churches that are 70% down. There are churches that are down both in attendance and in giving. Um, The few exceptions specifically when it comes to giving or, or even just this vibe of momentum that are, that are good, it's it's without exception the churches with really strong community, really yeah. strong, either because it's a rural setting and they're just that much more, I think, tightly knit, mm. or even more so they have a really small, excuse me, a really strong small groups ministry. Um, one of my good friends in Littleton, the suburbs of Denver, uh, they are doing phenomenally. Their giving's actually up this oh. past year. But it's because 85% of their people are in small groups. Nice. And so even though the local law has not allowed them to meet um, until very recently as a large gathering, their church of almost 2,000, I think, um, they're just not missing a beat because yeah. people are in community. People are doing life with each other. People are, are praying and studying and serving together. And um, Now, they miss the big, fun, celebratory gatherings, but um, that's the exception because most of – We've got one church here in town that's already shut down, smaller church that I, I'm friends with their pastor. Uh, and we've got uh, even our larger churches, you know, talking to uh, Bob over at First Baptist or or, uh, or um, Lance over at Grace. Uh, their numbers are way down, way down. And um, in some ways that can be really discouraging to us pastors. I mean, first of all, on an ego level, you just think, oh, I'm, I'm doing it horribly or it's cause I <laughs> right. a bad teacher or mm-hmm. because we're making poor decisions or something or because maybe there's some kind of, you know, the political times of, of, of that are dividing people, but that's not why people are not coming back to church. It's, um, I really think that people were not that who, who were not connected to community right. before, um, are, are just not coming back. They're not, it's, it's not, they weren't, they weren't, they're not missing something they didn't have before anyway. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like, you know, we, we, we took a break from like sports and stuff like that with our kids. And then you, you kind of get past that and you realize, Oh, I have all this extra time and these other things. And it's something, if it wasn't something important, then it's really easy to say, yeah, well, we just, you know, we just didn't go back. And to that end, I, I'm not, I'm not sure those kinds of people are, are listening to our podcast anyway. <laughs> That's pretty true. Not disen- disengaged people, <laughs> right. but, but maybe there are some. I, I, forgive me if you're listening and, and that's kind of you. Um, I guess there's some small group of people that are still watching online or listening to the podcast and things like that that just physically aren't engaged, but I can't relate to that. Um, but I, I will say I'm not discouraged, and I'm not saying that to try to be Joe positive or, or you know spin things for our people. I'm not discouraged. I know that our leadership is making the hard decisions we have to make with fundings funding we have with the staff we have. I know we are focused on moving the ball down the field, um, in the area specifically of discipleship. Mm -hmm. Uh, if our church is not making disciples, if we're not bringing people to Jesus and helping them grow in their faith, uh, and, and putting people in discipling relationships in groups and in one-on-ones, then I don't want to do anything else. I, and so what I love is that uh, I think that the people who are coming right now, uh, probably not just to Colonial, but to the other churches down the streets, are, are people who love Jesus, people who need Jesus, people who need Christ's community. Um, 
and consciously or unconsciously. And so I'm not discouraged. I'm, I'm frustrated because it's just more fun to do things with more people. Sure. But I do not think this is a barometer of our faithfulness. I really don't. And um, I hope that for any of our listeners who need to hear that, don't be discouraged. If, if you're seeking the kingdom first, if you're seeking uh, doing life faithfully with his people and not alone, uh, don't be discouraged by empty seats around you. Um, if you go to some church down the street, it's the same thing. The pastors are telling me the same things. Uh, I think in some ways it's a, it's a wake-up call for church leadership to say, let's not just try to pack them in. Let's, let's be faithful about the main thing. Make you, know? you re- reevaluate what, what it is you're counting. Is that a bad thing? Absolutely not. Right. Where are we, how do we measure success? Yeah. Is it, is it butts in the seats? Is it bucks in the, the offering plate? Mm. Uh, or is it changed people? Is it people faithfully following Jesus? I, which is way harder to measure. That's the that's that's yeah, why right. we go back to counting butts in the seats, you know, <laughs> and dollars is because that's just easier. You put mm-hmm. that on a graph. It's black and white. It's easy. Yeah, I'm not discouraged. I came back from sabbatical to answer your question. Uh, I think a lot more rested, uh, ironically, even though I'm not sleeping well, and a lot more just grounded. And I hope that I hope that's a blessing to our church to move forward. I'm yeah. really not kidding. Really excited about this fall. Yeah. Uh, the things we're doing in August and September uh, and and the way I know it's going to impact our people is just really exciting to me. That's great. Yeah. That's cool. Well, while while we have been out and and not uh, not recording, we got a couple of questions in that that I thought maybe we can uh, maybe we can we can jump into these a little bit before we before we dive into um, radical minimums and stuff from the weekends. Yeah. And so we got we got one question, uh, and this uh, this person says they have a friend that is from the Church of Christ, and uh, they this this person has been asked what they believe about baptism, and they grew up knowing that it was an outward sign of belief in Christ and not really sure how to answer their Church of Christ friend without offending their beliefs and and also that their this their friend has a basically has a rebuttal for anything that she says back mm. um, and so uh, I had to go go look it up because I didn't know what the Church of Christ stance on baptism was mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and from what I can tell it appears that Church of Christ is um, that that baptism is a part of your salvation not a not as we've talked about a couple of times at least on the podcast that that it's a an outward sign that it's that's this is okay this happened in my life therefore this is my this is my show to everybody else that there's something that's changed in my life um, but it's it, that, it, that that they view it as something that is specifically a part of that um, uh, of that of that process of being saved. So, what what do you say to this person here? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, to to affirm what you've discovered and and are trying to kind of sort together, um, we as Baptists believe that baptism is a command from Jesus. He tells us to make disciples and baptize them, and so it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not a Hey, if, if you want to add that, sprinkle some baptism on there. Mm-hmm. No, no pun intended. Um, we, we believe that. We also believe, I guess since I said the word sprinkle, we believe that the, the <laughs> interpretation from the original Greek uh, for baptism in the New Testament is to immerse or to dip. Um, and so there are some denominations, some traditions that sprinkle a little bit on your head. We believe it's, it's a, we believe that Jesus, for example, when he was baptized by John the Baptist, that he went under, they pulled him back up. It's symbolic. But to be clear, as Baptists, we believe that it's not necessary for salvation. Um, That salvation is a heart and mind thing, that God does the work of saving. It's not because of any good works that we do. There aren't conditions other than surrender, other than um, asking him um, to save us, and he does the hard work of saving. I think that part of what Paul even speaks to, for example, in Galatians is don't add anything to the gospel. Don't say, yeah, God's going to save you as long as you also do this. Or yeah, God's going to rescue you and bring you in and adopt you into his family as long as you check these three, four boxes. Um, That's what we would call um, broadly legalism. 
it's it puts some control back on us, which we crave. We crave control. We mm-hmm. want to check some boxes. And part of the mystery of the gospel, we believe, is that he does all the hard work, that our role is only to repent, only to turn back to him and say, you can have me. And he has done the hard work through Jesus on the cross. He is doing the hard work of changing us into him, into his likeness. Um, but to clarify, um, our Church of Christ brothers and sisters, historically anyway, I'm sure there's some different you know groups out there, but historically have taught um, some, I, I, what I would call some legalistic tendencies, which is, no, no, no. God saves us, but you also have to do your part in this way. You also, for example, have to be baptized. Hmm. I have heard that from some of my Church of Christ friends. I don't see that in the scriptures. But bluntly put, I just I humbly disagree. Uh, one of the first places we go to in scripture is is at the crucifixion, when Jesus has got uh, someone on the cross on his left and someone on the cross on his right, and one of the two of them is making fun of Jesus and very disrespectful and obviously defiant. And the other one is really convicted in the moment that Jesus has done nothing wrong, that Jesus clearly is otherworldly and says to him, would you remember me uh, when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus does not say, well, sorry. Can have top down real quick. We don't have a chance to baptize you first, or we don't have a chance for you to go to church Mm. consistently for a year and a half, or we don't have a chance for you to read the Bible and memorize things, or we don't have a chance for you to dress a certain way or any of those things that we just kind of attach to what obedience looks like. He says, today you will be with me in paradise. And they both died. And we know that that, that particular criminal on the cross next to Jesus, according to, according to Jesus is, is with the Lord is saved, is rescued. And so that alone makes me go, okay, we're missing the point here. If we think that we have to jump through some hoops um, I think we, it's our propensity. I'm not judging my church of Christ brothers. When I say this, it's just our, our, our tendency is to add to the gospel. It's, it's what we all do at some level, at some point in our lives is we think some of it's got to be on us because so much of life is like that. It's our, our relationships in so many ways can be conditional and we've got to jump through hoops to make things happen. And it's part of the mystery of God's grace is he says, no, um, it is by grace you have been saved, yeah, not by any works. So no one can boast. So no one can say, look what I did. Uh, and so bluntly put to that person who's asking a question, with grace and humility, you are welcome to disagree with your Church of Christ brothers and sisters. Um, they, they may have just dug in. And we'll rebut, and that's okay. What do you do? I had this is a great time to say I had lunch last Thursday with Ken Holsbury, who is the local Tenth and Broad Church of Christ pastor. Right. He is a good friend already. We had we had an hour and forty minute lunch because we both couldn't stop enjoying <laughs> each other and talking about our town and our people and the roles of our churches. He is a brother in Christ. Uh, we never talked about baptism. We never talked about our differences of convictions. Uh, we talked a lot about Jesus and love of our people and wanting to be faithful in our roles as pastors and shepherds. Um, we talked a little bit about the difficulty of our respective jobs, and that was just I think that was encouraging to just uh, be able to relate to each other. And, um, but we, we, our Church of Christ, brothers and sisters, even if, even if we disagree on some things, are our family. Um, and for that matter, I've got other friends that accuse us Baptists of being very legalistic about some things um, and being fixated on on being moralistic, maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a better example of where we stray as Baptists is we can be very moralistic and think that our salvation is depend, dependent on us getting our act together, dependent on us um, you know, avoiding sin in these particular areas. And that's, thank God, that's not, that's not the source of our salvation. It's, it's, the, it's the work of Jesus. So that may not be helpful for someone who wants the right answer. That's going to stop, stop somehow someone else from rebutting, but Hey, you just got to agree to disagree and, and go back to the scriptures and be grounded in our, our gratitude for God's good work. Yeah. Well, we have a, we have another question, um, says, uh, how does a person know 
if they've crossed the line from trusting God to trusting in the love of money. We can't serve two masters, but how do I know when money has become my master? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, wow. Well, it's very subjective. Uh, how, do, how do any of us know when we're mastered by something? Um, you know, when a, when a good thing becomes the main thing, uh, I think that's, I think that was Tim Keller's definition of idolatry. So when a good thing like money um, that can be used in so many ways for good becomes the main thing, that's, that's idolatrous. When, when a good thing like a relationship with you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, even a husband or a wife becomes the main thing, um, as weird as that may sound, that's idolatrous. Mm-hmm. God is meant to be the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think first of all, my gut is if you're asking the question, it's probably a red flag. Yeah. You know, if I'm asking the question, man, I care a lot about that new Jeep I just bought. Um, little shout out to my friend Brooke, who mm. just got the coolest Jeep. Oh my goodness. But, it, you know, I've had a cool Jeep before. I don't know. Now I drive a really cool minivan. But, <laughs> but back when I had that cool Jeep, the four door Jeep, the doors off and the top off and the big tires, and, and I'm just feeling like I'm king of the world. When that thing becomes the main thing, or I'm even questioning, man, is this, has this become too much in my life? I think that's a, a healthy yellow flag, at least. Right. So I think if you're asking the question, that's a little bit of a yellow flag. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll pull back from red flag. It's a little bit of a yellow flag. <laughs> I also think back to the words of Paul. Paul, Paul, I can't, ah, oh, in the moment, I want to be real. I can't remember if it's first or second Corinthians. Um, but he quotes to his, his, uh, his friends, in Corinth, uh, actually a secular saying, common saying of the day to make his point. Mm-hmm. And he says, everything is permissible for me, uh, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will be mastered by nothing. And I, I think that's one of the more helpful part, parts in Scripture that we can really apply to a lot of different things in life, which is to say there are a lot of good things that I can enjoy as long as they don't master me, as long as, as they don't dominate my focus. Um, and I think that, I think that can apply to, for example, I'm a sports fan. I think there's nothing wrong with liking sports. I can't wait for Cowboys season start, my Baylor bears, all that stuff. The Cowboys are winning the Super Bowl, right? Every year, yeah. every year we're going to win the Super Bowl. That's what Bowl. I heard. It's been 28 million <laughs> years since we won anything, but sorry, but at the same time, if that becomes just a focus for me and it takes away from my ability to father well and husband well and serve my church well and, and just be aware of the needs around me that I get, to, I get to love people well, that is a problem. That's not a gift. Um, but to the degree it's something I get to enjoy with my friends, with my family, that I get to just find some, some pleasure in that's, that's healthy. The, the question I think this, this, uh, this writer is asking is, is when do I know if I've crossed that line? Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, I guess these, these final two thoughts come to mind. One is I really believe that it's the Holy spirit that convicts us of sin. And I think the Holy spirit nudges us when we are wallowing in, in sin of any kind and, and we're uncomfortable because of it as Christ followers. Um, I just don't think we can, we can be oblivious to, to unrepentant sin over a, a decent period of time. I think I think God's like, if not gently nudging us, I think eventually He's He's kind of knocking us over the head, going, "I'm I'm telling you, this is not what I want for yeah. you." So I think there's a supernatural element of of God telling us um, through His Spirit that that's this is not what I want for you. I also think one of the ways He does communicate, which is really important, is through His His people, and so um, I think if we're in community, and I don't mean just going to church every once in a while, but if we're in real community with people, uh, people know us, people are doing life with us. They're watching what's important to us, how we're spending our time, how we're treating people, how we're, we're prioritizing things. Then it gives them both the opportunity and the freedom to raise their hand and say, brother, sister, uh, I, I want to be a good friend to you. I want to be a brother in Christ to you. Uh, I, I, I think this is a problem. I think this is out of bounds. Um, and that's not just with the obvious stuff, like, like 
you know, lust or porn or, or like, um, treating people obviously really poorly. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's subtle things. Like I think, I think money or material things are becoming much more of your focus or much more important to you than they should be. So, so maybe even an encouraging word to this, this, uh, question asker is if you're in community and you're seeking the Lord, both, um, I don't think you have to worry about it. I think he's, he's going to communicate to you one way or the other that you're out of bounds. And I think when we are in community and we are spending time frequently in prayer and reading scripture, then I, I think we can have a lot more confidence that, um, he's going to lead us. He's going to convict us of sin. Yeah. I hope that's helpful. It, it's very subjective, but I, I really believe the Lord will, will help guide us. Um, I think he does that, does that faithfully. Okay, so let's go and uh, let's go back to the beginning of our series. Like we just we just started a series on what was it uh, the fourth? No, not, not the fourth of July. The, the weekend after the eleventh, right? So we just started a series well, on on the radical minimums. Uh, we called it uh, "Life Lived Radically," and the most interesting man in the world, uh, Ron <laughs> Downing, was our uh, our kickoff. Right? He He's, is he, the most interesting man. <laughs> he in the world. started it off. I'm telling you, you I love that people him. got a little insight into the, his his NASA his NASA days. Experience, right? Absolutely. I think people have no idea the uh-huh. unique things he's he's done in his life. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that as well. Getting to start off with that. So, um, so we started off with with uh, with week one is listening intently. We ask two questions every day: What is God saying, and what should I do about it? Yes. Um, but one of the things that, that stood out to me um, was it was kind of his. Um, I guess just kind of his overview of of what we're talking about as far as radical minimums go, and uh, not specifically into what is radical minimum number one or number two, but that it's the that what he laid out is is that the radical minimums are not about the super spiritual disciplines, the fasting and praying and uh, you know over the top things that that we tend to think of like in order to be a good Christian you have to, you have to spend these forty seven hours right. a week doing these things right but that it's it's not about memorizing whole books of the Bible or it's not about being able to you know um, whatever it is you know like we, we we tend to make those lists yes that I think they probably just make us feel better or maybe they make us feel it's, more it's spiritual. back to wanting control I think yeah it's why we drift into legalism it's is we want control if you'll if you'll just give me 40 14 boxes to check. Right. And if I can check 11 of them, I'm going to feel fantastic. Then I'll know. That's what we want. Yeah. 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 Well, and and just like you know the the religious leaders in Jesus' day, how you know they made they made up all these other rules to make sure that they didn't uh, they didn't break the, the the main rules, and you know there was just so many boxes to check, as you said, and yeah. and so to think about these things to break it down into being radical minimums of this is just the minimum, but even doing that is still pretty radical. Is okay. Well, we're not saying that you need to spend an hour in prayer time, you know, before your kids wake up in the morning because. I think I would fall asleep again if I was spending that that uh, that morning time that early in the morning before my children wake up. Um, but it's you know saying throughout the day, you know, what are you, what are you saying? Right? What what are we doing? We're asking God. We're asking two questions. What what is God saying, and what should I do about it? Mm. But you know, and then and then this week we're you know we're 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 learning from somebody and we're investing in somebody. These are not like you know rocket science like this is not like it has to be these overly super spiritual yeah. crazy things right. like that's that's what i thought stood really stood out to me from ron's message of just just you know this is the this is this is not like you don't have to check all these crazy boxes that we feel like we need to i agree i think i think in some ways that was the strength of what ron uniquely brought you know ron doesn't preach very often at all here at colonial he'd be the first to tell you that's not his primary job it's not his primary gifting but one of the things I loved about him stepping up and being a guest teacher, if you will, is that he reminded us that not only are these some, some essentials that we have to grab a hold of, but it's not that hard. It's not that hard. It's a posture. It's, mm. it's a posture shift. Um, it's not something, you know, we're about to watch the Olympics and we're about to watch some people do some things that the vast majority of us will never be able to do. <laughs> so if, if we were teaching, you have to do these things, we would just laugh. We'd be like, I can't run a mile in three minutes and 47 seconds ever, you know, while jumping over right. sticks. <laughs> but that's not what, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about shifting our posture 
yeah. to a, for example, in this case, to a listening posture. God, what what are you saying? I'm mm. I'm, I'm very much aware of what people around me are saying. Yeah. I'm very much aware of the constant messaging going on when I turn the TV on or or I just look at what's valued in my culture. But I, I just have to be a little more intentional. That's probably the word, intentional with my posture. What are you saying, God? And and how are, what are ways I can listen more intently? I can open up this Bible. Thank God. You know, 2,000 years ago, we couldn't do this. 500 years ago, we couldn't do this. Right. We have the Bible, you know, especially with the interwebs, just at our disposal at any moment, at any day. Uh, we have community of people that together can speak into what God's saying. We have creation screaming at us. If we just pause, I go to the mountains and I just pause and turn my posture toward him. And I am amazed at his creativity, his power. It's a posture shift. I love that Ron reminded us, hey, you can do this. This is not super Christian stuff. This is not super mature Christian stuff. Yeah. This is every single one of us. Yeah. Old, young, mature in our faith, babies in our faith, toddlers in our faith. It's a posture shift. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's what, that's what my favorite thing about these radical minimums is it's, you said it, it's not rocket science. It's just, it's just handles to grab a hold of, I think. Hmm. Yeah. Even to shift gears, if I can, to sure. training deliberately, as right. we talked about yesterday, um, you know, some of us already have mentors. Some of us are already mentoring people, whether it's formal or informal. But, you know, it's not, even if that's a foreign concept, even if that's something that because we're too shy to ask right. or we're, we're, we're not, you know, maybe comfortable being confident in someone's space to say, hey, let me, you know what, let me mentor you. <laughs> that sounds a little yeah. weird. But for whatever the reason, even if that's not our, our everyday experience, again, that's not rocket science. It's, it's intentionality. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, I know that life on life is the best way of teaching. It's the best way of learning. How do I be intentional with that? And worst case scenario, I would even say some of, you know, some of our listeners who call colonial their home or call another church, their home, man, if you, if you just go, I can't do that. I don't have the wherewithal to tell somebody else I'm going to be their mentor. I don't have the clarity of who to even ask. Or, or the courage to ask someone else to take me under their wing, go to the church. Go to church leadership and say, I really want to do this. I want to do this in both directions. I want to be a Paul. I want to be a Timothy. I need a Paul and a Timothy in my life. Would you help me? If that's all you do is raise your hand and say, I need help, then any church worth their salt, and, and I, I would like to think we, we are, we can, we will set you up. Yeah. It may be a little messy. It may take a little bit of time. But, man, if we can't do that, what are we doing here, man? Mm. You know, if we can't hook up people with, with discipling relationships, with, with mentoring relationships, what in the world are we doing, you know? So I think both of our first two weeks we've, we've tried to say, this is not rocket science. It's very doable. Let's be intentional. Yeah. Hey, Brooke, can I shift gears for a second? Yes. So... In light of what we talked about yesterday, right. training deliberately, uh, I know I'm putting you on the spot here. I didn't warn you I was going to do this, but <laughs> um, what's been your experience with with mentoring or being mentored? Uh, you're, you're, is it 40? Yes. You're the big 4-0. Big 40. So you've got some life under you. I do. Um, I, what, what have you experienced? It's funny. It's funny. As uh, Yesterday, as I was sitting there in the auditorium listening to the second one, I, I totally, uh, I was thinking, okay. He's going to ask me, and then I'm going to have to be able to answer. So, um, so I actually started thinking about this, and I was like, okay, I, can, I could come up with something, right? Well, I started thinking about it. What do you mean I could come up with something? That's what I mean, right? <laughs> so I, I started thinking about it. I was like, man, I don't know that I have ever been in any sort of, um, any sort of mentoring relationship outside of, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, the like organic kind of like I've you know somebody's helping me out with something or I'm asking questions or whatever but I've never had somebody that was like so like in light of what I, I shared yesterday like you've had we've all had those passive right. mentoring experiences right. where it's unofficial it's inf yep. informal it's maybe brief but you obviously you're saying you've had those but right but formal intentional or I think I use the word intensive um, or even 
uh, I forgot the other term I used, but a seasonal, temporary, right. oca- occasional, I think is what I used, occasional yeah. mentoring. You haven't really had that? No. Um, I, I was, like I said, I was thinking about, I'm like, I'm not, not trying to throw anybody under the bus or anything like that. So uh, I still love you if you were in my life and you considered yourself a mentor and you happen to be listening to this podcast. So don't, don't get me wrong there. But, <laughs> you know, like my parents, like my parents are, they have that, a, a, a mentoring type of relationship. That's what parents are. Sure. Right? That's, in some sense, we've all had those in, right. in and, parents. And, yeah. And, and, you know, like, like early in my career leading worship, like, I had people that I looked up to, people that I had conversations with, uh, things like that. But I never had anybody that was like, hey, I'm a worship leader and you're learning. So let's go sit down and let's talk through this. And what's your philosophy in those? And so I've I've actually tried to have those kinds of conversations with people um, as as my career has gone on, as I've gotten more life experience. But even then, I don't know that I've ever had anybody that that I've said, okay, well, let's let me mentor you because I didn't have anybody that modeled it for me. So I can think back to like college when um, there was uh, there was there was an emphasis in our church as we were talking about the, this kind of a thing, like you know. And so I, I remember having this conversation, or at least attempting to have this kind of conversation with an adult that I looked up to that was around, and it was awkward and I hated having the conversation and I didn't know what I was doing and ultimately nothing nothing really ever came of it and and then life happens and you start working and you we I just moved on you know so I, I don't know that I've ever it so that, so that brings me to a question is like well wh- how do you do this if you've never had it modeled for you mm. in that sort of an intentional hey let me grab I mean I even had a, a, a conversation one time with a uh, a a boss's boss that was like but he this person's not mentoring you and I was like no they're I mean we we talk occasionally but that's that's it and so this dude got in trouble for uh, you know, not doing it. Right. And so, and then of course, you know, life happens, I move on and we're, we're in a different scenario. And so it's, it's, it's gone all again. But so I, I don't, I don't even know what that honestly looks like in that sort of situation, you know, mm. um, to actually like, what's the process? What does it look like? How do you actually have that conversation to where it's not a completely awkward, uh, scenario? I don't know. So that's Man, my, that's my, you know, honest. this is humbling that you're being so honest about it and maybe exactly what the purpose of our podcast is today is it's one thing for me to talk about it yesterday on a stage, one way communication, lecturing on the value of this, the, the, the blessing of this. And yet you may be speaking for a ton of people in the crowd who are thinking, sounds awesome. I've never seen it. Yeah. It sounds great. I don't have any experience with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, how do I do it? How do I find it? And I think it makes me wonder a couple of things. It makes me wonder, man, anytime, you know, a couple of dudes get together and speak for women, that's dangerous, but um, <laughs> we do both have women's names. So I like that's to true. think that gives us go. a little bit right. of freedom here, Brooke. Um, I, <laughs> I wonder if this is more of a guy problem because, okay. because, uh, the statistics show us that very few men have close friends. Um, I can't, I can't accurately, uh, regurgitate the, the numbers, but I am alarmed to see what the surveys show in our American culture of the vast majority of men have very few, if any close male friends. Um, I think that plays into this. If, if, if men don't have close friends, uh, or in a lifetime only have one, two or three that by by definition means they're not men, being mentored and they're not mentoring that I right. think those go hand in hand. Yeah. I don't know if that's as big an issue for women. Cause I, I, I would like to think that, uh, women get together a little more readily. They're a little more relational in, in very general terms. Uh, I'd like to think women ask for help. How do I, how do I parent <laughs> this new child? How do I, how do I step into this next season? But that may, <laughs> that may not be fair to our lady, uh, friends and our wives and um, <laughs> right. I don't we- know. Uh, I mean, I think about I think about um, you know the the idea the idea that that we that we in the Western world tend to have of masculinity. Right? Is that I can I can do this on my own. Yeah. I don't need the other people. And um, you know, even this this past week we were 
encouraged to take some personality tests, right? And so again, I'm I am realizing more and more as I get older and older that that uh, I'm not an extrovert in the way that uh, I've I've been led to believe or been told that I should believe in the past as a person, pastor, a a worship leader that I'm supposed to be extrovert, all this whatever. Um, and so I I see myself more as an introverted person where I'm I'm more reserved. I'm going to have a conversation. I'm totally fine with having small talk or or you know, chit chat, whatever. But I'm not. I'm not going to seek out a whole bunch of people. Somebody. Somebody asked me how my wife was doing the other day, and I realized, yeah, I just don't tell people. Like I just don't volunteer information. That's just you know what it is. And so throughout my life, I can I can think back to you know four or five, literally throughout my life, really good friends, and um, I don't live anywhere near any of them anymore. And you know, some of them I barely have contact with at all. Uh, I would still consider some of these some of my best friends. But you know, that that becomes you know, how do you do that when when those are your 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 relationships? Then at the same time, I would say you know, I think I think the church has we, we, the church has made it more comfortable for women to um, to ask for help or to get this kind of relationship or, or, uh, uh, I, I don't know. It feels like, like, like what we've always had is like, we expect women to have that kind of a relationship with each other, but we haven't, we talk about like, let's have a men's thing. Let's have steak and camp and you know, whatever. And that, the, and, and somehow we're supposed to come out of those with mentoring relationships, but we sit around a campfire and poke the fire and, roast marshmallows and hot dogs and, and scratch ourselves right? <laughs> and burp and then go to bed and then yeah. we get up and go home. Right. So it's like, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's like yeah. almost like in, in our culture, we just don't know how to do this. No, I think you're right. But, but we're both wondering out loud in, yes. fair, in fairness. We're not, yes. we, we shouldn't, we're not trying to speak for women. Of course. Uh, more importantly, we're, we're just thinking out loud. We're wondering what this looks like for people. I guess that makes me want to say this. I, I, I think if we polled our colonial church people, thousand people who call colonial church home, whether they're attending regularly or not, uh, you know, are you in a mentoring relationship, uh, giving or receiving or both? I think it would be, I I'm, I'm speculating, but I think it would be single digit percentage. Yeah. I think it'd be by far the exception to the norm. Uh, so when I taught on it yesterday, mm -hmm. um, more importantly, when we say, this is one of our five mm. radical minimums. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're not saying this is this is the culture of colonial. This is where this is what's normal for the majority of our people. We're not saying that. We're not pretending it's true. What we are saying passionately is we want to create that culture. We want to move, we want to inch along, however slowly that is, toward that becoming normal for the majority. Like mm -hmm. I want to, I want to look forward to the day and God, God willing, it'll be in the next handful of years where being engaged, being in community at colonial means you've got a group of people that know you and, and you know, uh, and you've got a mentoring uh, relationship or two, uh, on both ends, you know, giving and receiving. And so, um, I think, man, we're being pretty, I think we're being pretty transparent here and yeah. you, one of our five pastors on staff, one of our 10 staff people is saying, I'm not experiencing it. Yeah. It's got to start with our leadership. Mm -hmm. uh, I know that uh, even just meeting recently with, uh, with Ron and Jordan, our, our three person executive leadership team, we've talked about just that. Our radical minimums have got to be lived out first and foremost by our leadership mm. or what's it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be passed along. It's right. not going to be embraced. And right. so you're motivating me to, uh, and really fight for that for you mm. fight for that for our, our team, our leadership team. And um, I will know, I will say this one tangible way we are trying to live this out already is, and I love that pastor Jordan is leading the way on this is every single one of our groups. And I, I can't even remember how many groups, do you know how many groups we have? It's mm, I don't know if upper teens or 20 or I, I don't know how many groups we have. Um, we're a long way from where we want to be with, you know, 40, 50 groups, but all of our group leaders are are constantly, probably probably uh, annoyingly, being asked, "Who is your apprentice?" Mm. Uh, you're leading the group. I get it. There's 13 of you. You're leading the group. Who are you training up 
to replace you in this group or to go off and start a new group so that we can have more people engaged. And, and I love that. All of our serving teams, our welcome team or, or um, our prayer team or anything, th- all those serving teams are being challenged. Okay, yeah, you're in charge. You're coordinating, planning. Who's your apprentice? Who are you pouring into that's going to take your place uh, or that can lead in another way? And I love that because that's that's how you do it. You've got we've got to start with leadership. So um, humbling that we're far from where we want to be, but we're committed to it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. That's enough honesty for me. So let's. Uh, yeah. No more of that. <laughs> no more of that. I don't. I don't share information. Let's move on. Hey, forgive me. My I just, voice. My I just voice is questions. getting worse and worse. Well, you know, we're done now, so you can save it all up for next week. Because I'm right. sure you don't have to talk at all until the next podcast. <laughs> Uh, okay, so before you before you put your voice away, um, we uh, we had we had July Fourth, the the uh, July Fourth fabulous feasting fest for families around food, <laughs> right? That's, I don't even think that's close, but I like I, I like it. something like that. Uh, so we had that, and I wasn't around. So how did it go? I forgot you weren't there. Yeah, I, I was not there. Yeah, uh, and I also forgot that. It's it's been a couple of weeks, but we haven't had a podcast to, to we talk have not. about it. That's yeah, great. briefly, dude. It was so fun, awesome. Like it was everything I hoped it would be. <laughs> I I was worried because it's a holiday weekend, nobody'd be there. Yeah, I was worried it would it would be kind of hyped up and it wasn't that fun. I looked around. There's tons of people there, tons of good food, and there was just grins everywhere. Mm-hmm. I met at least six or eight new people. New to the church. What a great day to come for the first time. There was one couple, um, God bless them, they showed up for the 11 o'clock service for the first time ever stepping on our campus. Nice. We didn't have an 11 o'clock service. We had a big meal. They loved it. They were laughing, talking, got to sit down with people. Um, That's definitely one way to experience a church. Can you imagine going to any church ever for the first time and they invite you to come sit down and eat some good food and then you're done? That was it. Um, it was so fun. Uh, it, I think I think it was a, a double whammy of coming out of the pandemic right. and just feeling super isolated and disconnected this past year. Mm. Um, and also, we've had people that have they've they've said before my time, maybe even before your time. Uh, you've been here six years. I've been here three. You know, our church, like a lot of churches, used to do regular meals together, mm-hmm. Wednesday nights or once a month or something. We just haven't done that in a, in forever. Yeah. So um, I had somebody come up. That was two weeks ago. I had somebody come up to me yesterday and said, when are we going to do that again? Yeah. Um, <laughs> which, by the way, is a good transition. Yes. Um, twice in August, we're going to do this thing called More About Colonial. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel a lot like that July 4th uh, Fabulous Fun Fest Feast. Ooh, I did name it. Is that it. right? I did, did you get it right? It. Yeah, I think you so. You should because you named so. it. Yeah. Oh, it's brilliant. Just rolls off the tongue. Uh, but we're going to do that twice, the 8th and the 22nd. Okay. Uh, you mentioned it yesterday from did, the stage. Yeah. We're going to uh, actually have, I believe this Sunday, we'll open registration because we do yep. need to know how many are coming, who's going to be there. It's for everybody. It's it's literally for everyone who has not come to this thing we're calling More About Colonial. Which is everyone. Which is everyone, because we've never done it before. Right. So it's not just for the brand new people. It's not just for the folks who've only been here a couple months. It's not just for the folks that have been here a year or two and feel disconnected. It's for everyone. And uh, we're going to do it regularly into the fall and the spring. Um, and that'll that'll be smaller settings and more just for new people. Um, but these initial couple will for sure be larger groups. We're going to have a sit-down meal uh, we're going to hear a little bit more about our vision, our mission, our values, uh, and some next steps people can take to be super engaged here at Colonial. So uh, if you at all like July 4th or you at all just miss the church coming together, especially over food, um, you're going to hear more about more about Colonial. I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. Yeah. This yeah. fall in general. I'm not blowing smoke. I'm not trying to be the the, the enthusiastic salesman here. I genuinely... I'm so excited about multiple things we've been working on behind the curtain coming to fruition this fall, including more about Colonial, right. including uh, first big steps for people that have not yet stepped into groups, uh, including your role. I'm so excited that we are ripping the Band-Aid off and pulling some things off your plate, Brooke, yep. so you can lead the way for us 
in, in making us more outside the walls, more focused on serving and meeting the needs of the least of these, sharing the gospel with the lost, being for the city. Um, we've got some things planned for the new year mm-hmm. with other churches. Right. Uh, we've got some things planned for this podcast. Um, I'll go ahead and plug that with our folks. Yep. You and I are working hard to make sure that we've got some different guests, pastors from different churches, leaders from different ministries around town, stories told from some of our people here at Colonial, uh, maybe even elders or staff that haven't haven't had a voice that we can put on our podcast. I'm excited about being a lot more deliberate this fall, even with this podcast, which is which has been fun. Yeah, yeah, for sure, dude. I love doing this podcast with you. It's a good time. Like I, I don't know that I've said that out loud <laughs> on the podcast recently. Um, even in the midst of my busyness, and I'm like, oh, I got to go do the recording oh, right. Monday. Uh, I love it. It's just so fun uh, to talk about things that matter. Um as well as some silly stuff on the front end sometimes. Yeah, occasionally. Occasionally some silly things. No, I agree. I have a lot of fun with it too. So hopefully we're not the only people that, that think this is fun and uh, and helpful. Because, I mean, it, for me, it's it's helpful just to... Um, just to talk through things, to think through, yep. think through things from a different perspective. It challenges me to think through, um, you know, things from a different perspective from maybe not my perspective or what I've grown up knowing or whatever, and try to ask questions to corner you in, in whatever fun way I can think of in the moment. And, um, yeah. Love so, it. Okay. Let's pause the conversation. We'll pick this up again next week. This has been the E6 podcast from Colonial Church. You can always get more information about Colonial at colonialchurch.com, or you can download our app from the App Store or the Google Play Store. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you. So send us your questions, your feedback to podcast at colonialchurch.com. And yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll pick up the conversation next week. See you, everybody.